no driving gloves. Back when we started this podcast, we kind of said, we're just going to sit down and we're going to talk cars. Derek and I have a couple of little subjects we're going to touch on tonight, but we're going to keep this kind of a general flowing conversation. We're going to see what what and where this goes. So not going to waste your time. Unscripted, no driving gloves. Right after this. So, want to talk about cars? Ferrari, GTO, Bentley, CRX, and even down to your great granddad's peerless. Welcome to No Driving Gloves, the Car Talk Authority, where experience, knowledge, and controversy share the same seat. Enjoy the ride. Now your hosts, John and Derek. No, it's pointless. <laughs> Most of what uh, we say is pointless. <laughs> I know. No, I, di- I didn't realize you were doing the intro like that. And I was, I was going to say, remember back in those days when we used to sit down and all have like a scotch or a beer or, you know, have a nice adult beverage with us as we were complaining about the automotive world. I remember those days. Unfortunately, we never aired the show that ended those days. <laughs> well, that is true. That is very, I think edited, it was two minutes long. I edited, I don't even think we could have done it without somebody losing a whole bunch of money. Oh, yeah. Ah, those were the days. Because we covered things that we covered. Well, we probably could release a lot of it now because the, um, um, what do you call that? Like non-disclosure? Yeah, non-disclosures or whatever. The the, the all- gag order. Right. The embargo. That's what they call embargo, it in the automotive yeah. world. The embargo over the news that we covered <clears throat> has since passed and the news yeah. is now old news. Yeah, exactly. That'll be the, maybe on our 10-year anniversary, we'll release the, the never-before-heard episodes. It'll be that one. Um, actually, there's probably five or six of them. Get this oh, point. wow. We're really about one a year. That's pretty pretty good. Yeah, and most of them have been about the last 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, John. Back in the beginning, I released stuff that probably shouldn't have been released. Yeah, it's the way we old back then. We were young, hip. Hey, I will say after a month, I did get my Ford back from the shop or the dealer. Hey, you know, it took a month. Interesting I can't, I'm not going to say too much because, because I'm not a hundred percent happy with how the repairs went. I'm very satisfied with the work and the car seems to be fine, but some things that happened were just to me inexcusable. I think that's just, but so I'm, I'm happy. I got it back. That's just automotive repair in general. It even translates to this dealership upset me a little bit with the service, but this dealership introduced me to something called Ford Point. Which, when I bought my SHO, when I bought my Transit Connect, and when I bought this Fiesta, I got Ford points. And when I took my SHO in and my Fiesta in for oil changes, I got Ford points. I normally took my SHO and my Transit Connect and um, my F-150 and my Edge and that to a different Ford dealership for oil changes. They never gave me Ford points. I didn't know what Ford points were. But all said and done... I had about 300 and some dollars in credit with Ford because of Ford Point. I guess you spend money with Ford. They, you know, it's like a grocery store rewards program or something. You get a little bit of money back. So even with the oil change and them repairing a taillight for me, just a bulb. And 
And it's one that the oil change place, well, was it oil? I don't know where I went. I asked them to do a tail, the taillight bulb. Oh, it was Walmart when I was doing a flat tire. They go, oh, we don't do those bulbs. Is it AutoZone? No. O'Reilly's wouldn't do the bulb either. They said, too, too dang hard to do that bulbs. I had four to. So that with my uh, deductible, I didn't have to spend any money for these repairs. And I got a brand new, uh, what do they call it? Don't know because I don't know. Power drain control module, PCM, which supposedly they changed in 2017 on Fiestas. And if you have this new powertrain control module, you won't have a transmission problem. So I got to ask, John, if you get these Ford points, do you, while you're at the dealership, do you get a little like prize catalog and you get to go through it? How many points you have, you can pick out what prizes you want at the end and they use up your points and like, like when you used to sell enough candy bars. I imagine you could, you could go through the accessories catalog or go over to the parts department and use some of the points and get yourself a Ford hat or something. You mean they don't have cool, like cheap, but, you know, I didn't even know they exist. I'm kind of irritated. I've got a thousand dollars in oil changes that I never got points on, but hey, free money's free money. But like I said, I had a pretty good experience. That's the joy. That is the joy of cars, though, isn't it? Like, especially when you're work on them. Like when I was a kid growing up with a dad that worked on cars. And, and I mean, obviously, we've talked about it on the show before. I had to rebuild my first cars, right? Had to fully restore the GT that I had. Had to completely rebuild a total Beretta for my fir- you know, first know car that I really, really drove excessively to high school and college because the GTO was just too rare and dad wouldn't let me drive it. But it was like, you're, you're that kid that's still learning. And it seemed like, an, and I had friends in high school that were the same. Their dad was a mechanic, a body man or whatever, and worked on cars. And we'd be either out together or separate incidents with, with our vehicles. Something would act up. And it'd be like, oh, what is that? Especially my Beretta, because it had been totaled. I was like, oh man, what did what did we miss? You know, I'm trying to like diagnose it all the way home from school or wherever I was coming home from. And about two miles from home, the car always started running right and would not do it again when my dad was around. Just like, no, this is what was going. Well, it's not going on now. I'm like, the car won't do it around you. I don't know. <laughs> it's like as soon as it knew that. You know, somebody, my dad was around, has master licenses from General Motors. It was just like, ah, no, I'm going to make this kid look like a fool. It was, it was irritating. Literally, I remember one time in college driving the Beretta. So it must have been probably freshman, first year of college. And I worked about 35 minutes from my apartment and I was driving home from work, back to my apartment at college from work. And the, no joke, the, the the stock on it. So on a GM vehicle, it would be the uh, the turn signal stock that had the cruise control button on the end. I'm literally driving down the road and just a little bit of white smoke just starts coming out of it. And you get that electric burning it's, smell. Huh? It's always bad when you let the smoke out of the wires. It's terrible, right? So I'm like, okay, immediately, if, if you've got that going on, immediately pull over, stop the car, make sure it's not to a bigger fire, right? So I pull into this like church parking lot or something, turn the car off. Okay. Nothing seems to be smoking. Okay. Call dad, tell him what's going on. All right. Well, he's like, drive it. If it starts smoking, turn it off. We'll get it towed back to the shop and we'll figure it out. Okay. Drive it back to my apartment. 
nothing wrong. Drove it for like the next five years. The cruise still worked and no smoke ever came. No idea what happened. No, no, literally no idea what happened because everything still functioned. There were no electrical issues. And we just, it, I never had to work on that stock with a steering column or anything the whole time I owned it. It's always those fun things with cars, you know, symptoms that you get that you can never replicate anywhere. I'm trying to think, uh, I had something recently cross my desk or whatever, cross my life that it was a problem that occurred, but there's no way I can make this problem occur anywhere else in front of somebody who might be able to solve the problem. And I can't remember. I don't, I mean, I know it's not the mini, the Ford had everything taken care of. I don't think it's her Toyota. I I was just in something recently that was like that there was a problem, but how how the heck do you make the replicate this problem for a technician? I was just totally a law. Just get to be a total law. I've I've got one right now. The Malibu that I you know my 2019 Malibu. I I it just happens once in a while. I can't recreate it. It's just this small clunk in the back of the car. It literally just it it'll just randomly happen, and it'll just be a, and and it's almost almost not audible. It's such a quiet little thunk. It'll just I know that I know exactly that quote sound that you're talking. Yeah, about. it's just this little like you're driving and there's just this little like thunk. and it, it it drives me nuts because I'm like there it is, but how do I how do I recreate it because it's random. <laughs> yep, that was the problem. It actually was on the uh, Fiesta and it was the reason they replaced the radio. I'm drive along perfectly fine, sunny, nice day, and then all of a sudden you get this loud electrical pop. And it sounds like you half-ass wired your amplifier back in the 80s. It's a short. And you get it. Radio may or may not turn off. Nothing else on the car was affected. When it would rain, it would happen almost every 30, 35 minutes. You get this pop. Now, it's got to be a ground. It's got to have something to do with the humidity. And I complained about this when I got the first oil change in the car. And I was talking to this girl who worked at the... Um, oil change center at Ford and she drives a uh, Focus RS and she said, I had the same, same problem and they just ended up replacing my radio. So when I took it in, that's what I kind of figured was going to happen and that's what they did, but nobody ever explained it to me. So it must be some solder joint or something starts to come loose, but it, it was one of those that I was afraid they would have to replicate and how the heck are they going to replicate it? Drive the car around for 14 days and see if it happens once or just take it to the car wash. If it happens all the time when it rains, take it to a car wash. Have it through a dry, uh, it happens wash. all the time when it rains, but rain's not a uh, car wash isn't going to create the humidity. I don't think it's moisture. I think it's humidity. Well, put a humidifier in the car and sit in there with it. <laughs> so those are just some of our little trials and tribulations with our daily drivers. Yeah, it's it's and that I guess that's the interesting thing about having vehicles with more electronics now, right? Because everything's going electronic, all these infotainment systems. Christine's, uh, my wife's Acadia, it hasn't done it in months, but like for two months, randomly, you'd turn the car on and the volume would be full blast and then drop down. And it happened like four times over two months. Hasn't happened since, but why it did it? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, I think I read an article earlier this week of like the 10 features we could do without on cars that we, we pay to get rid of these features. Auto start stop was high on that list. I have it on the mini, drives me batty. And 
I swear that's, you know, granted they had to put a new motor in my Mini and I had to take it in. I took it in like seven, 8,000 miles after. I guess it wasn't even that. It was like 3,000 miles after because I had worn out a set of tires and had it aligned and stuff. And they had to retorque the entire motor. It had come loose. And I keep thinking, because now, you know, that start stop, it just feels like something wants to fall apart or you can, you could just tell the motor wasn't tight. And I hate that feature, you know, it drives me nuts. And it turns the car off at times that you really don't want it to be off. Mm-hmm. It's, we could really, really get rid of that one. But touch screens and you know, talk about electronics and I hate the fact you've got to, you know, some of these new cars, you got to go in so many screens to find this or find that and adjust this. And I shouldn't have to do that. And I shouldn't have to do it with something as simple as like you asked earlier, air conditioning. I should be able to turn the air conditioning on in the first without having to change it. I should be able to do the radio without having to change the screen. I should be able to do the air conditioning, climate control without having to change the screen. I should be able to engage four-wheel drive without having to change screens. Well, they put that all in, and they put voice-activated system pieces in, right? I can I can hit the, the speak button on my steering column and ask the car to play music. I can ask it to call people. I can ask it to text people. But as far as I know, maybe there are cars out there that do it. My Malibu is probably too low class. But why can't you ask the car, if it's set up with these infotainment systems, to turn the air conditioning and set it to a certain temperature? Again, maybe I maybe there are some that do, and I just, you know, they're much more expensive cars than what I have. You know, you can do that in a lot of luxury stuff. I could do it in my SHO, but it's steps. I can reach over and I can turn a knob in the mini and go from 69 up to 75 in about a half a second without ever taking my eyes off the road in the SHO. And now granted that was a 2017. So things have gotten better in the last six years. I'll give them that. You push the button on the steering wheel, you wait for the beep, boom. And then you, whatever the command was in the SHO and you said climate control 72 And then if you're lucky, you know, our driver's climate control 72, and then it would adjust the temperature. Three minutes later, we're done changing the temperature from 69 to 72. Well, yeah, because it's said three times, I couldn't understand that. And now you're yelling at it, so it really can't understand you. No, I don't yell anymore. I'm a very nice, calm person. I've had a few things recently that have really... this car dealership experience really tested my patient. I did almost lose it once, but I finally said, okay, let's just sit down and talk this out. And the guy said, okay. And we talked it out and everything was happy. But, oh, we're not supposed to be complaining. We're supposed to talking about fun things on cars. That's what the shows of people sitting down, no driving gloves. We're, we're being honest with our listeners and we can get rid of everything out of the car that is unnecessary and just go back to the Model T era, drive Model Ts around. Never saw if they, I got a response. There was something on social media and this guy owns a towing company or he's involved with the towing company. And the last couple of days, all he's done is posted pictures. His, the company he works with or owns or whatever has a special rig. It's a pickup, it's a Ford pickup truck with the topper on it. One of those slide out bed things, a huge, huge freaking generator. And what they use that for is to go charge electric cars that have, you know, 
died. And one he had up there was a BMW i3 that was actually at a charging station, but the charging station was broke, but the car was dead. So he he was there charging it, or he made some comment about being at the airport, and he was charging a Model 3 and talking about the nice thing about, you know, the electric cars. And he got into some of the stuff we talked about back on episode, I was 256, um, you know, so the, the infrastructure is not ready for electric cars, but he, you know, he's posting all this stuff quite often. And I did take the time to ask him the question, how many times or how many calls a day or a week do you get for somebody who's run out of gas? I'm betting they probably get more calls for people that run out of gas than electric. Did they answer? I don't have an answer yet. But. Ah, mm-hmm. It's because they know you're right, John. It's because they know you're no, right. No, I'm always, no, I'm used to be. I totally had something no, to say no, and I completely forgot. Portable chargers, generators. Yeah. And some of the comments yeah. to this guy, what was post was, you know, well, why can't they figure out a way that when the wheels are going round, it regenerates electricity so it charges, which yeah, to me is a valid question. The principle, I mean, we have regenerative braking. I was going to say, they they have figured it out because you can only make the power when you're braking. I mean, you you essentially, if you were using the spinning tire to create energy, you'd be net zero. Uh, pretty much. Okay. I know there's going to be a bunch of listeners that jump on it and say, well, not really. But I mean, the reason that it's not done is because it's not efficient. You would decrease range in order to increase range. <laughs> exactly. Kind of. It, I bet you it would be pretty close to net zero. <laughs> And they uh, and then you know why don't we have uh, solar panels on these cars and well guess what well they we do. do you know Priuses run their air conditioning systems off of uh, solar panels the new uh, Fisker Ocean has a solar roof on it it won't power the car or recharge the car rapidly but it does feed a little bit of power back well and you can't say that the Fisker Ocean and the Fisker has always had a solar panel that was that but, was part of their whole whole thing. Yeah, I can't remember what the other, there was another real stupid one. I guess not real stupid, but uninformed. Oh, stupid. That makes me think of something. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, can we, can we just, seeing you're on social media, can we just talk about what are they called? Influ- like some of these social influencers is, you know what? I'm, I'm going to sound like a boomer. I'm not of the boomer generation, but I'm going to sound uh, I, I don't even know. Can, sh- should we or could we or we even want to call them? Meme? <laughs> I don't know which ones we want to talk about. Uh, the one that drives me absolutely crazy is there. there's a younger gentleman. I believe he lives maybe out west somewhere and originally focused this this will help maybe figure out who it is originally focused primarily on diesel vehicles trucks lifted diesel trucks things like that but lately he's just gotten into and by lately i mean probably the last two or years basically just beating vehicles to death and intentionally destroying recently made the kind of headlines of social media influencers because he bought a ferrari and went off-roading with it and destroyed it and oh had a model t i think it was a model t coupe and basically you know, took a crane or a bat you know a backhoe and just beat the snot out of the thing i just don't understand where that's enter I, I get that it's entertainment for some people but i don't get where it's 
useful in any. I mean, the the interesting thing is some of the the Model T stuff held up pretty well, and he really had to work hard uh, to get it to break. But now, see, and I would actually go with he can do whatever the heck he wants. It's his money. People want to see it. That is his kind of retort to everyone's comments about what he does is, hey, I bought it. It's mine. I own it. I can do what I want. On the flip side, that I know who you're talking about. And he does some very nice things for people, too, with the money that he's making off social media. Why so many people find it entertaining? Why he makes, I think I read he's he makes um, eight figures off his uh, social medias and are basically his career now and everything else he does. Doesn't make sense you know, to me. We we get upset, but there was, um, I can't remember, the Ferrari 360 was the current Ferrari at the time. And they had it in a movie and they went ahead and totaled the Ferrari 360 because it was cheaper than totaling the Ferrari 360 in CGI. So, I mean, it's it's a risk reward proposition. He knows if he, he goes out and buys a $300,000, $400,000 Ferrari and off-roads it, he's going to get the return. It's a product. It's, it's, it's inventory he bought in order to sell a product or uh, that's just that's his business model it works and and i'm sure ferrari's up about it i mean that's that's but, kind of what I heard. but you know if i was uh, john if i was making that kind of money uh starting out talking about diesels and moving into what what he does now i'd probably with be whistling all the way to the, i have to say we can sit there and you can criticize social media and i don't understand I don't understand some of these people on social media. I don't understand where some of the cars come from. I would love to really sit down with Supercar Blondie and talk to her because you know she's always popping up these ultra super prototype. And I'm I gather she's living her life in Bahrain. She's I think she's in Dubai now. Dubai. That's what last I, mean. I heard. And and she's she's an interesting one because of kind of the way she got started. You know, there's money over there and it oozes and these guys just have their one-off cars. Maybe that goes back to the episode you, Will, and I did about coach building. Coach building exists. It just exists over, you know, in Dubai. It doesn't exist here probably because of the cost. You know, you get her that's pulling out this crazy stuff and then you get, um, there's another woman, I can't think of her name. And, she, you know, she's done stuff with Ferraris and she's done stuff with, you know, I, I tried, I actually tried watching some of her videos and I got sick. I don't know. It was the not, and I mean, physically ill because of the way she does her camera oh, it yeah. moves and vibrates and something. But you know, I don't understand that. And then on the flips again, flip it again. I listen to Matt Farah and he really questions whether his YouTube is a viable business model. He says, oh, when we do something exotic, yeah, we get a lot of views, but we can't do something exotic and, you know, crazy every week. We've got to do car reviews, too. And those cost more money to make than what we earn off of. I mean, that's why. Social media is just so screwy. The way it pays, nobody understands how the hell it pays. I mean, it's not like going to McDonald's and go, I'm going to make $13.50 an hour, and I'm going to come in, and I'm going to work 20 hours a week, so I'm making whatever, you know, what is that, $260 a week, 
and you know exactly what you're taking home. You know, with the YouTube video or with Facebook or with Reels, I'm going to get this. You know, you just kind of wake up and, ah, uh, okay, my million views got me, you know, X number 20 of cents. Yeah, well, it got me five grand this month, but it got me $7,800 three months ago. It's just, you know, there's so much to it and I can't, you know, I can't follow it. I wish I could figure out some of it because the money's there. Yeah, that's uh, the truth. You know, I'm getting into this, uh, we'll say, more of a crafting hobby. And I'm watching some of these people and one person, we do not, she does not accept any gifts. Every product she has on her channel, she buys. She you know, claims these companies offer to give them to her and that, but no, she buys them so she can do an unbiased review. She has some pretty expensive stuff. She does get some things as an early release, but she claims she's still paying retail. I'd love to figure out how to break into that. If you guys have any guesses, don't say, don't do episodes where you bitch for them. <laughs> More like 45 at this point. Well, we haven't really. We've inquisitive. inquisitive. Say, I did have a topic, but I would. Don't want to cover it now because nobody will hear it slightly. Yeah. I don't even remember what it was now. I did notice I'm on on eBay, $30,900 for 2023 Tesla Model Model 3 with 13,000 miles. Buy it now price. Is that a ripoff or is that a fake ad? (laughs) I thought these things were supposed to be expensive. No idea. I thought, wait, didn't you say the Model 3? I guess. Yeah. I thought that was supposed to be the affordable one. Well, that's supposed to be the affordable one. Well, here's another 2023 rear-wheel drive for 28.9. But yeah, see, know. it's affordable. That does remind me because somebody at McPherson has them on, but they're they're going to Pebble with their 300 Mercedes 300 that the student body mm-hmm. restored over the last five or six years. They'll be up top. Yep. It's pretty. McPherson did get real. You know, everybody had to email me about it. It was on all the. It was on social media everywhere. I, they had a do, uh, a donor. Offer two hundred and fifty million dollars if the school could raise two hundred as a match, and the school did their part. And then when the check was presented, he actually doubled or doubled or whatever, and it ended up being a billion dollars. No, he offered to donate five hundred million. The school had to match. They made the they made the match, and when he went to donate his five hundred, made a billion. So his dinky little school got a billion and a half dollar. Yeah, um, yeah, and and to be clear, really, that's not just for the restoration program. That's for the whole no, no, that, whole college. That's for the general. But, that's for the general fund. But yeah, that, it still sets them that, up nicely with their endowment. And yeah, it's that's that's amazing. Yeah, that, they they kind of have a really good cushion there. I was glad to see that. Great for the school. Great for the program. I mean, the programs brought on there because that match donation came. Just a few weeks after another gentleman donated, I want to—I think it was nine figures and a, a Ferrari Daytona to the program, to to the restoration program. There were some good things that came out. Trying to go through my random bits of news that heard. That again made me think of something that I've already forgot. That's that's why I keep interrupting. Because for some reason tonight I'm forgetting. It pops into my head. You're supposed to have a little notebook, and you quickly jot it down. <laughs> I didn't. It's sitting right over there, my laptop bag, and I forgot to. I tell you, a waste of space. I really don't know much else offhand. I do know we've got some great shows in store. I've reached out to, and I'm going to call this one out because I really want to get her on the show. Uh, Hannah Elliott with Bloomberg writes automotive stuff for Bloomberg. She had a wonderful ar- ar- article. Yeah, March 31st of this year. 
uh, talking about Hagerty and its dominance overtaking of the collector car industry with insuring collectibles, selling collectibles, providing values for collectibles, providing shows for collectibles. You know, they got their hand in too many, too many pots. Mm-hmm. Can think of a guy named Henry Ford that built the cars, built the crates, had the rubber pl- <laughs> rubber trees. You know, <laughs> kind of did everything for. Uh, that was just called vertical creation, though. Okay, I would like. Well, that's exactly what Hagerty's to, doing. No, I would liken this more what Haggerty's doing to a certain Mister Rockefeller uh, back in. But we we um, have been discussing this since pre-COVID, uh, and Derek and I have expressed concerns about this, and I uh, really would like to sit down and talk to Hannah about it, and then we have Derek and I have another topic. And we will eventually encroach on it, but I want to talk to Hannah about that one too. Maybe not on live, bring it up to her, let her do some article research too. But so Hannah, if you're out there, if you haven't seen my messages to you, um, love to get in touch with you and uh, have you on the show to talk about that. Uh, we've got an author coming up again, been on the show before. Hopefully we'll have him. Uh, he's got a new book coming out, have him in probably five or six weeks on the show. Uh, Derek's got a, uh, huge, huge automotive name he's working on too. Uh, so we've got some exciting shows around a couple of contests, got public appearances we're working on. Go to the website, nodrivinggloves.com. Give us a follow, give us a like, tell us what you want to hear. And Derek and I were just talking right just before the show. And there might be a live stream type thing in the future too kind of miss the live streams and the little bits of chat and the input. It was always good to have that two-way communication. It's like every unhealthy relationship you've ever been in. We don't really know what we want, so we're just going to go back and forth, see see what we like. <laughs> well, long-time long listeners know John's luck with relationships. <laughs> I, I got nothing else. I, I, I got nothing else. I, I, I spewed my random thoughts for this. We'll be back next week. Promise you with a very organized something to talk about and send us a few topics. We're, we're, uh, we're a little bit low in the topic bin, but I'm out of here. Thank you for the uh, time tonight that carry you next week. Drivinggloves.com. Email us there. Producer at no drivinggloves.com. Uh, if you dr- straight to us, I'll talk to you next week, Derek. Talk to you guys next week. All right. See you later. This show was a part of the No Driving Gloves Network, produced and edited by John Viviani of Magic City Podcast, with voice work by Gary Conger. So until the next exit.